George Lucas is known as a collector of art, and he's kind of collected in two realms. He's been very interested in the fine arts, but he's also been very interested in all the artwork that's been produced around Star Wars. In the uh, 35 plus years that artists have been working in the milieu of, of Star Wars, there's an amazing body of work that's been created by kind of the official artists from the concept artists like Ralph McQuarrie and Joe Johnston to the comic artists that have worked officially. Whatever happened? I went into public service. He went on to become an artist. Maybe he was the smart one. Star Wars fans and Moof Milkers everywhere. And if you can believe it, we are just weeks away from Star Wars Celebration. And we're kicking it off here at Blast Points with a very special little episode here. We got an interview special with our buddy Joe Caroni and Brian Miller. And it's a very exciting time for you guys, right? Because you are part of the Celebration Art Show. Uh, yeah, actually, Brian and I uh, got in invited to um to be uh we were we were chosen it we, it was uh, uh out of uh, god i don't know brian what hundreds of artists i don't know how many artists apply yeah hundreds and hundreds yeah hundreds and millions of artists apply um to, to be in star wars celebration but uh lucasfilm uh and disney chose us to exhibit um and um we have brand new star wars art uh that we created just for the event uh, coming up here in uh, in April. Have you say April like it's far away, but it's it's just around the corner, sneaking up on us. It's like less than three weeks. I know. It's ah. <laughs> have you guys been in the art show at Celebration before, or is this the first time? I know you guys have been there, just been there, but have you been in the art show before? Well, this will be my third one, but I think Joe's been at well almost every Celebration, right, Joe? Yeah, the only ones I haven't been a part of as an, as as a guest were the only two I didn't attend, <laughs> which were the very first one in Denver back in 99, because, I mean, I think at that time Celebration was a, a brand new, th- it was the very first one, it was a brand new thing, um, and I, I wasn't even aware that they were going to have artists at it, so 
um, I missed that one or I missed applying or I, I think there were a few artists there, but it's not anything like it is now. And then the other one, I, the only other one I didn't attend was Celebration Japan uh, back in 2008. Uh, I couldn't make that trip uh, just logistically. I had a lot going on, but I've been at every celebration. Uh, so I, I don't know how, God, this is, I don't know how many of they had. They've had eight of them in the U S and, or this will be this will be the eighth one. So and then they've had the t- one in Germany and two in London. So I was at all three of those. And Brian was with me at the one in uh, Ger- or no London. Anaheim and London. Yeah. Anaheim and London were the two that we did together. Yeah. And Joe's being modest because he was invited to Celebration Japan. It just it just didn't work out. But you know <laughs> he's his artwork is legendary, and I know everybody wants to see him in all of these. <laughs> Joe, I'm curious, how has, if you've done so many, how have you seen not only um, the art show evolve, but Celebration evolve from, like, way back in Celebration 2, which I, Gabe and I were at 2 and 3, but mm-hmm. uh, from from your perspective, how have you seen it, how have you seen it grow? Yeah, that's a good question, because um, I remember 2 and 3 very vividly, because those were in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. That's where I was born and raised. So getting to do celebration in my hometown um, for both of those shows, especially three, because celebration three, I did the official program cover and the, and I did the poster, the official poster for the event. Um, God, well, that was back in 05 when Revenge of the Sith was coming out. So um, and even then, like that was a huge, like celebration three was off the hook. That was a, that was a big, big event. I mean, uh, granted that was 12 years ago, but I want to say there was at least 50 or 60,000 people, probably more. I don't know. It was maybe like 50,000, uh, that showed up to that, that year. And it felt like for the Indiana, the Indiana, Indiana convention center, it was it was jam packed like that place was was filled to capacity so even back at celebration 3 and even 2 i remember being very very big events especially 3 as far as how it's changed or or grown i mean the, the attendance always seems to grow every every time they do one of these things but um i want to say they remember one thing in in particular i remember They've, Lucasfilm has definitely, especially with Reed Pop. Now that Reed Pop is doing celebration for Lucasfilm, they're they're maintaining it and managing it. It's gotten more professional because I know the first few years they had Gen Con running celebration, and and the lines for the like the celebration store were just there were there were so many issues and so many problems. I remember that being a big deal. So. I know now, like they, they with celebration, they seem to have it like it's more of a well-oiled machine now than what than what it used to be. Um, but a lot of that has to do with Reed Pop being able, like they're one of the only companies that can really sort of maintain such a. And they also they run New York New York Comic Con, they do Emerald City Comic Con, so they're used to these giant events like celebration. Joe, your piece is called I Rebel. Brian, yours is 40 Years of the Force. Um, if each one of you want to take a minute, describe your piece to someone who maybe hasn't seen it online yet, and um, the thought process of uh, how, you, how you came up with doing this for this celebration. 
So 40 Years of the Force is meant to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the original 1977 release of Star Wars. And I knew that I wanted to do something for the anniversary this year. So I went back and I watched the film a bunch because, I, I mean, I've seen it, I don't know, thousands and thousands of times. But it's always good to get a, a refresher. And I was just doing some sketches and I kept coming back to uh, Luke in his X-Wing on the trench run. And I really always liked the scene where Han comes back in the Millennium Falcon and sort of saves Luke at the end so that Luke can can make the, the winning shot. And I realized while I'm watching it again that we actually never see the X-Wing fighter, Darth Vader and the ties and the Millennium Falcon, like all in one composed shot. We see that as like three separate shots in the film. And I thought, well, that's what it is. I want to draw. I want to, I want to compose all of those, those elements into one drawing and create a, it's a scene that we're all very familiar with. We all know that scene, but hopefully illustrate it in a way that we've, we've only thought about. We've never seen before. Um, so that was sort of like where the concept came from and where, where the, the ball started rolling. And from there, then it was just about the aesthetic for me. I, I really wanted to do something that maybe felt a little bit retro, like it could have been released in 1977, but hopefully still feels fresh and not old fashioned. And a lot of my artwork is propaganda. And I wanted to kind of stray away from that and do something a little different too. So all those things kind of worked together to, to steer me in that direction. Um, so it was a really fun process to then get to, to watch the film over and over and uh, look at the toys for the X-Wing and the TIE Fighters and the Falcon and just kind of like decide how it was all going to work out and play with it and plan it and, and then finally get to draw it. My print um, is called I Rebel. Um, and it's obviously um, for Rogue One um, it, because it features uh, the main characters of Jin Erso and, and uh, Cap- Captain Cassian Andor and K2SO. So they're, they're featured prominently in the print, and it's, it's, it's highlighting one of the key action sequences that takes place in the film on, on the planet Jeddah. Uh, when uh, Jin Erso and Cassian are are sort of uh, uh, they're caught up in, in an attack, um, a scene with the stormtroopers and and the the local civilians, you know, attacking. So the stormtroopers go after the heroes in that scene, and and Jin Erso fights them off. Um, so that was uh, the, it. Was interesting because I knew. I knew going into Celebration, you know, if I was going to be selected to exhibit, I wanted to do a Rogue One piece. Um, at this point, I hadn't even really, even, I hadn't seen the movie, even though I was privy to, from Lucasfilm and, and friends working on various projects before the movie had come out, I was privy to a lot of the information, you know, to the movie itself. So not that I had seen clips, but I'd seen lots of images and scenes and, and whatnot. And so I kind of knew that gave me sort of the impetus to like the inspiration, like, okay, I, I kind of know what scene I want to, I might want to tackle. And then once the trailers, you know, at this point, I think, cause our, our artwork was due to Lucasfilm for the, to be judged. Um, God, it was probably in December, I think. I, I it was definitely remember. before Rogue One was released. Wow. Right. It was before the movie released. And I want to say it was like end of November or early December. I can't remember, but it was before the movie came out. So 
I had to really do my artwork based off of what I had seen in the trailers at that point. And also what I was kind of maybe had a little inside information on, which, you know, until you see the movie, you're not really sure how it's going to play out exactly. But I, I knew like, if I could just capture the, the essence of that scene, um, that was my intent really was like, okay, I want to do, I knew I wanted to do an action scene and I wanted to do rogue one and I wanted to feature Jen Urso. So that was, those were my focal points. And then from that point, I kind of, um, after watching the trailers over and over and basically like screen capturing the, like, you know, those particular scenes from the trailer and, um, from the various trailers. And it was actually, I think it was almost even like a few days before the print was due to Lucasfilm before my concept, our concepts were due. They, on, they released like a little short, like five or 10 minute documentary, behind-the-scenes footage of the making of Rogue One, and, and that scene in particular, and it popped up online from StarWars.com or something, and and all of a sudden, like, all the shots that I kind of was needing, like, the reference that I, like, that I was, some of the reference shots I was missing for that scene were in that shot, and were, were in that trailer, that documentary, or the behind-the-scenes video. So that, that ended up saving me at the last minute because I was like, Oh, screen capture, screen capture. Okay. I get it. Okay. I see like it, it all started to come together at that point. So it was kind of like piecing together a puzzle, um, which I know it, you would think like, Oh, well they do star Wars art. They get all kinds of, like, well, Lucasfilm kind of, you know, they, even when you're working on these projects, they don't always give you everything you need. Sometimes you have to like rely on ingenuity or, you know, Google or, you know, other friends who are working on projects. So, uh, luckily I was able to kind of pull it off and I felt like, okay, I've got a strong concept now. So that's, I, that's really interesting. I didn't realize like, cause how does the application process then work for celebration? Like, I guess I wasn't sure if, if you apply based on your previous art or you actually had to, um, apply with kind of like what stage was the art when you applied to get approved for the art show? Well, I'll answer the first part of this, and then Brian can chime in. But basically, they uh, you, you, when they announce a celebration and the art show for celebration, they allow artists to um, basically submit, you know, basically just submit their name and a resume, essentially. Like, hey, as long as you've worked on official Star Wars products and, and projects, you know, we'll consider you for the art show, basically. So... Uh, at that point, you know, everyone and their and their brother who's worked on something Star Wars related who wants to be part of celebration, then they submit their their interest. They fill out a form, submit their interest, and basically list their credentials. So at that point, they end up choosing. I, I mean, I assume I'm not part of the judging process, but I, they. I think from that point, they go down the list and they go, okay, you know, all of these people qualify, and then at that point they invite you to submit a concept. So there's, it's, there's, there's certain stages that you have to like go through basically. Yeah. And as, as Joe says, there's no, there's no guarantee just because he or I were, were honored to be at celebration London uh, doesn't mean that we're going to get into celebration Orlando. So every time it's a, a new process to submit and we never know what's going to happen. Uh, so once you've submitted your resume and are invited then to submit a concept, 
then you have to decide what it is that you want to, to illustrate. And that's, I don't know about it, how it is for you, Joe, but for me, that's probably the most maddening part because right. you know that you have to take all the ideas you have and narrow it down to one thing and hope that one thing they like. Because, you know, whether it's Rogue One or the original trilogy or something like that, you may have a really good idea, but if five other people have a similar idea, they're probably only, only going to pick one of those things. So, you know, it, it's not just how good the artist is or how good the concept is. It's also how many people have had similar ideas. So you can be the most famous Star Wars artist on the planet and not necessarily get chosen uh, right. just just based on uh, how how unique your concept is or isn't that time. So that's, that's the crazy part. So we create a concept and turn that in and weeks go by and it's pins and needles. And then finally, uh, if it's a good year, we get that email that says your concept was chosen. You're, you're free to go on and make an illustration. And then uh, one, I think it's, it's not, it's also not, not just about the uniqueness of the concept. There's other things to consider. Like um, if, if the artwork, you know, uh, as long as it doesn't maybe contradict something that um, maybe Lucasfilm, you know, continuity-wise with maybe an upcoming film or, you know, a film that's about to be released, or if it doesn't contradict something, you know, if you're not telegraphing something that they may already be thinking about. So, I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of, like, variables when you're coming up with a concept where you're like, well, I hope this doesn't step on anyone else's toes, not just other artists that might be doing something similar, but like maybe Lucasfilm, they, they may not like that. Well, these two characters would never be together or this character doesn't make sense in this scene. So your piece might get rejected on that basis alone. I mean, I know, I mean, just, yeah, from, from going through so many of these now, I kind of like, and, and that's maybe the one benefit or advantage I might have is that I kind of know to a certain degree, I guess, like what kind of works and what doesn't work with, you know, Lucasfilm and Disney in terms of uh, getting something approved, you know, because I, I work on other Star Wars projects for Disney directly, but also for other licensees. So I, once you work with them, you kind of get a feel for what you, you kind of know what they're going to say or what they like and don't like, basically. And at the end of the day, I think we all just want to create an illustration that that we're in love with and that hopefully the fans are in love with. And I think we all I, I don't know how it is for you, Joe, but like for me as an artist, there's times that you you put that concept out or you work on the illustration, you kind of feel it in your gut. You're like, oh, this is this is the one. And there's other times you're like, you know, oh, maybe this is a eight out of ten or a nine out of ten. I'm not sure if this is if they're gonna pick this or not. So, you know, from year to year or from concept to concept, you can you can really sort of, uh, you know, just just be on on pins and needles about if it's going to go over or not. Joe, I just kept thinking, like, when you were talking about choosing that one scene from Rogue One, it was so tricky because, like, all the trailers we were getting, so much of that didn't end up in the movie. <laughs> you know, right? I could only imagine if you sat down in the theater and the scene that you submitted to Lucasfilm didn't end up being in the film. Well, and, and that's that's also kind of interesting because when I my the title for my artwork is "I Rebel," which is based off of the line that uh, Felicity Jones says as Generoso, and even in the very first trailers, she's kind of portrayed as more of this kind of like 
kind of a, a, a I think in the Rogue One film we get, she's not as, I want to say, rebellious or her, her rebellious nature isn't maybe, um, uh, isn't played up maybe quite as much as, I, as from what I've heard in the earlier cuts of the film. But that I, I didn't know they were going to cut that line out of the movie. But once I found out that it was cut out of the film, because obviously I, I did my concept and then like a week later I saw the movie and I was like, wow, she never said that. That line was never in that scene was never in the movie. But then I thought at this point, I mean, I didn't have to call. I, I could still title my piece, whatever. I didn't have to keep it. But I thought it would be cool as to kind of acknowledge that cut scene in a way, and also because, you know, the character is sort of this defiant, very strong female character, which Star Wars has always been known for. And I thought, well, if I, if I still keep the title, I rebel, even though that line was cut from the movie, I think that would be a nice kind of thing for fans because it, it, it sort of keeps that line intact let's talk a little bit about uh, the creation of each of your pieces what tools do you guys use how, how are they made basically um my print was done completely digitally um and it was uh illustrated and painted in photoshop um the way i work when i work completely digitally is it's not unlike if you remember like maybe in grade school or high school when you do like cut paper collages essentially you'll take photographs and your your art class teacher has you make a collage you know and you're you're putting together a composition using you know cut out images essentially um that's kind of how i start all of my even my comic book covers you know i'll find my reference and even then like if i if it's not based off a photo i'll at least get maybe part of the image as a as a photo base or maybe sometimes not i don't at all. maybe sometimes i'll I'll actually just draw it out and I'll put in a line drawing and then that will be my basis. But in this case, for the Rogue One piece, I basically, um, I just use like, I don't even know how many different photos. It's For Jen alone, there was probably like maybe five or six, seven different photographs of her from various poses that I, I took an arm here, I took a body here, I took a leg there, I t- took her head from another photo, I took her her hands and her blaster from all these other different photos. I, yeah, so there's like, just in creating that pose, I used a lot of different photo sources, and I, I basically, in Photoshop, kind of collaged them together in you know, kind of a rough way. And then once I get this sort of rough pose blocked in, it, it's not unlike blocking in a drawing, if you're drawing in your sketchbook or something, once I block in the rough composition, then everything's on layers, and then I just basically start painting on layers and start refining the pose um, and adding lighting, and then I'm adding, you know, extra detail because I'm painting over these photographs. But as I'm painting them, I'm I'm covering up you know, details and I have to go back in and re-add details. So it's kind of a back and forth process when I'm painting digitally. Um, but you know, I, I keep the integrity of that realism because I'm working from all these different photos to create, you know, uh, a single pose. And then I'm, then I'm taking all these poses and I'm creating an entire scene out of like tons of, of different imagery that I'm, I'm, you know, getting from Lucasfilm or I'm getting from, you know, screen capture 
pictures from the trailers or even like uh, even like I sometimes I'll shoot some of my models that I have like my Star Wars models like uh, busts and whatnot and then I'll I'll photograph maybe like a blaster in a certain angle and then I'll I'll drop that into Photoshop and then I'll I'll select it and cut around it. I place it in my image, and then I start to blend it and paint it into my photo. Into my, I paint the photo into my artwork. So it's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's it's a process. It's 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 not just pushing a button and making it. You know, it's it's pretty involved, but it it's, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. For me, every I have like a little sketchbook that I carry around, and I and so I just draw out like. 10, maybe 20 little thumbnail sketches when I'm coming up with a new concept. And then I'll hone in on one that I like. Uh, this celebration piece just has a little bit of text on it, but like my propaganda posters have, have quite a bit of, of text, like uh, slogans and jargons and stuff. And so sometimes down the margins of my sketchbook, I'll write out four or five different ideas I have for that. Um, so I just have these like really loose thumbnail sketches and then from there, I'll jump onto my iPad, and I really like this piece of software called Adobe Draw. And it's vector, but unlike Illustrator, it's not very technical. It's more just like you have pencil and painting tools, and you have an eraser. So it's it's more like natural drawing in a way. And so I'll just start to create those elements in there. And like Joe said, sometimes I might grab a toy or a model or something, and you know, if I'm drawing an X-wing, I might want to rotate it or skew it in my hand and sometimes i'll even get like a a flashlight or maybe like a spotlight or something to put on it so i can play with how the light and shadow might hit it and then i'll jot down like a rough sketch of how that looks from there because most of my artwork is screen printed i have to create a layer for each of the ink colors that'll come out so it's a little bit of this weird right brain left brain thing where i know what i want my illustration to look like and i i kind of take it to like 80 or 90% done, uh, usually just in like gray tones. And then once I get it to where everything is looking the way I want it, I'll go back and start recreating those elements on the correct layer for the correct ink color. So if it's a three color screen print, that can go pretty quickly. But if it's like a, a complicated five or six or seven color screen print, it can take quite a bit of time. Uh, for 40 years of the force, I don't know if I was insane or bored or what, but I decided to do the lettering by hand. So like the Star Wars logo um, is drawn by hand on the iPad using like rulers and circle templates and stuff. And then even the like um, uh, long ago in a galaxy far away is all drawn by hand. So it's a little bit of insanity or OCD <laughs> on my part, but I just couldn't resist doing it. Wow. Yeah. Brian, when you did that hand lettering, I really think it kind of gives it more of that genuine uh, classic, you know, movie poster pre-Photoshop kind of feel. The fact that you kind of, I, I think it adds the integrity, you know, of the piece a little that that much more. Honestly, so. thank you, Joe. As you as you become as you, as you use technology more in creating your pieces, how has you found have you, have you found that the technology has changed your style over time? Have the two informed each other from from where you began drawing with pencil and paper? Yeah, I, I mean, I've always been very adaptable um, with styles. Like, I don't, I don't see myself as like I have to work 
um, within one particular style. Like I, I kind of, I'm flexible with the content of the project. So I think in that sense, as an illustrator, it's always made me versatile to, to have a career as an artist because I can be flexible working in different styles. Like, like Brian said, he, he often works like in a propaganda style and, and I can do that style as well. And it's something that we both enjoy doing, but it's not something we necessarily do all the time. And then I can draw in a comic book style when I'm doing comic book, you know, sequential work or, or you know, certain covers or whatnot. But, you know, if I, I find that if I do that style over and over all the time, and, and this is even true, like I was, Brian and I worked on, God, for almost 10 years, we did like, I don't even know, hundreds of covers for, for lots of different comic book um, projects and, and some publishers. And it was getting to the point where I was feeling like, man, like I can almost do this in my sleep. Like I wasn't really, you know, I mean, everything we were doing, I was really happy with. And we were doing some really great work together on all these different comic books. Um, but I felt like, like, man, I need to challenge myself. Like I need, I need to try some different techniques. I need to experiment with some new uh, tools and technology. And as much as I love drawing and designing by hand, I wanted to push for more digital work because, you know, that's where the industry is going and, and with the turnaround times and, and just the publishing world in general is so fast-paced, especially especially uh, comic book publishing. I mean, the turnaround time's ridiculous, and Brian will tell you all day about that. But so in order to, like... You know, for me to, to feel like I needed to challenge myself, you know, I'm like, well, I've always been of the mindset I'll, I'll have the projects and I'll have the tools and the technology inform, you know, my style, you know. So I, I, I guess because I was trained traditionally as an illustrator, you know, I could draw and paint by hand. And that's how I started out in art college, just, you know, doing everything traditionally for years and years. But I've always uh, kind of been open and receptive to, you know, other tools and techniques, especially digital. And and that's kind of in the last few years, I've been pushing for more, you know, I've all, the, the, I think the commonality with my work in particular is I've always pushed for more realism, even in my comic book work. So even as I progressed with my comic book art, I was always striving for more realism. And then once I went fully digital, I was able to go, oh, okay, now I can achieve that realism in my work, but now I can try some different techniques. So it's, I'm always kind of experimenting and trying new things. I don't feel like I, I, I need to, to work just in one style. I've never really felt that way. But Yeah, and I've seen Joe's drawings and paintings, and he is an amazing illustrator and that's why I don't think it matters if it's Photoshop on a computer or if it's an iPad or, or whatever it is. It's just a tool. And if you have the ability to draw and paint uh, on traditional media, then you can do it in digital media. And I've seen Joe take those tools and, and myself take those tools. And we've been able to do uh, more work and hopefully, uh, I don't want to say it's better work, but different work. Especially now that you know we've got Disney involved and Lucasfilm involved, and some of the artwork that we're doing, uh, you know, it's used for print. It's used on merchandise for Disney parks. It's used 
for t-shirts it's used for different things and so for uh, Lucasfilm as the client to be able to to do that, they typically need a digital format. So for us as illustrators to be able to make that transition has been uh, uh, has been good, and it also allows us to experiment with new things. I know with a lot of my screen printing, being able to create my illustration and set it up uh, using layers then allows if I'm working with Dark Ink Art or Acme or one of the licensees, we can do a, a color variant. And that's kind of something that fans really like. Uh, there may be like a limited edition of 250 pieces on on one of these prints, and then they might do a very special, you know, 20 or 30 or 50 piece with a, a variant color or a different paper stock or something like that. So the tools have really allowed us to be more adaptable. And like Joe said, the deadlines too. It seems like every year the, the deadlines get shorter and shorter for these things, and we have to, to figure out new creative ways to work faster and faster. Yeah, definitely, especially uh, recently I've been doing a lot of comic book covers for, for Dynamite Entertainment on their new Charmed comic book series, and I've been working fully digital on those as well, and it's just like I'm able to to really turn those around in, in you know twice as fast as I normally would if I were to draw those traditionally, per se. So I think working digitally definitely, like Ryan was saying, with, with having... It gives you options to 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 do different things and 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 working in layers. It gives you the ability to try, you know, to present the artwork um, in different formats and different colors, and, and much easier than it would be if you were to like, you know, paint it by hand and draw it by hand. So, um, like, especially like with like Lucasfilm and Disney wanting to maybe take certain elements out of the art and maybe not use the entire image, but maybe just use like those one or two characters on another piece of merchandise, then it's much easier to do that. Say with digital art, when you have it, you know, everything separated in layers than it would be to, you know, if you're doing something maybe traditionally, but was it the, the George Lucas quote with, um, where he said in the, um, <clears throat> the original trilogy, he was working with a limited amount of brushes and colors. And then, in the later films, he was working with an unlimited brushes and colors as an artist. Right. Yeah. It's it's not unlike that. I mean, I, I, you're, the one thing. I mean, we could we could just you know do digital all the time, all day, every day, and and I'm kind of in there in a way already, and a lot of artists are as well. But I mean, the one thing to keep in mind as long as you have all like this, like when you're working digitally, this it's it's like a brand new world. Like you have all these like tools at your disposal but you don't want to end up relying on the tools so much that they become a crutch and then it ends up hindering the artwork or the artwork just doesn't take on you know that 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 life you know that you kind of get with say an, a, a traditional piece of so that's always the thing to keep in mind and uh, you know and you could argue that some of the, bringing this kind of full circle to star wars and george lucas like well, yeah, the prequels were obviously. I mean, obviously, George was was much, much more passionate about the technology of those films and the visual uh, effects of those movies than, say, maybe the acting or the directing per se. Uh, that's no big secret. I mean, the the prequels are gorgeous films and they're technological marvels, and they advanced the special effects industry to levels that are still other movies are trying to catch up to. So, um, 
but so you can kind of get caught up in that and maybe not, you know, sort of lose sight of other things that matter. And, and you know, that's true of artwork with digital artwork. So you have to, you could, we can, we can work fully digitally, but you still have to, I think what benefits guys like me and Brian is that we were trained traditionally. Like we know how to paint and color by hand and we know how to draw by hand. So having the, having those skill sets inform they definitely inform my digital art. Like when I'm working on say the, my, like my I rebel piece and I'm, I'm working out a pose. And even though it's from photographs and, 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 and their action scenes and action poses, they can still kind of come off a little stiff or a little stilted. So, but my, my traditional artist brain is like, well, no, that, that pose needs to be more animated and we need to, I need to push some more uh, energy in, in this pose or, or in this part of the digital painting. And so you kind of, you know, I, I can rely on my traditional skills when I'm when I'm working digitally to kind of rework poses and and uh, so yeah, it's 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 always a it's always you you get the benefit of all those new brushes and hundreds and thousands of new colors and brushes to work with, but you have to be careful not to get lost in that too. Agreed. Celebration. It's, you know, you talk to anybody who's been to Celebration, they tell you it's special. It's not like other conventions. So what do, what do, you, what do each of you guys, what do you guys love about Celebration and um, any favorite stories that you have? Well, I think for me, it's about the fans. Uh, I, Joe and I met at a comic book convention and we've all done tons of comic book conventions over the years. And they're great. But there is something special about Star Wars Celebration and it's the fans. It's the energy. We're all there to celebrate Star Wars, and there's zero negativity, and there's not that one guy that says, you're drawing the wrong version of Boba Fett. It should be like this. It's not like that. It's it's all very positive. And we've had fans that we see only you know, that one time every couple of years when celebration comes around. But as soon as you see them start talking to them, it's like picking up where you left off with an old friend. And we also get to commune with the other artists. I mean, there's a fellowship there with, again, people we might only see once or twice a year at conventions, but we all get to geek out. And, you know, what the what no one knows is that, like, after celebration ends, most of the artists will all get together and head out and swap prints with each other and have dinner and compare notes. And I'm fans of theirs and they're fans of ours. And we want their art just as much as they want ours. And so it's, it's this kind of, it's a relationship that's almost indescribable that you just, this connection you have with everybody there. That's just magical. It's, it's, it's something that I haven't seen or felt at any other convention. Yeah. Um, Ryan brought up a good point about the, uh, I, I know for me personally, also, it is about that same fellowship of, of of artists because we've all kind of been in the trenches together doing this stuff for a long time. I, and granted, there there are hundreds and thousands of artists out there doing Star Wars art, uh, obviously. Um, but there's a group of us that have been doing it professionally uh, for Lucasfilm and their licensees for for a kind of a long time now um you know brian and i have been working on star wars art together 
since like 2005, 2006. And then I was doing Star Wars art on my own for 10 years before that. I think in 96, I, I got my first gig with doing Star Wars art for Lucasfilm. So, you know, I've been doing it for a little more than 20 years now. Um, and then there's other, some of, so, so there's a group of us that have, that have been doing Star Wars art for a long time as sort of our main, our, our, our mainstay work. Um, so we, even though there's a, there's a lot of artists out there, there's a group of us that we see each other at these events over and over, not, you know, not just celebration, but other comic cons. And we, there's a camaraderie there, you know, like we've, we've been through all the ups and downs of all these, you know, uh, of, of all these shows and all these projects and, you know, the highs and lows of, of, of working in the industry. So, um, so getting together at a celebration with our, our, our fellow artist brethren, you know, we've all, you know, we've all come to really kind of love each other like brothers, but then we, we respect each other's work, you know? So we, we all look at each other like, wow, that's awesome. Like what you're doing, you know, that was amazing that you, whatever you did on that painting and, and, and and then they come back and they say the same thing to us. Like, how did you do that? You know, what were you thinking? So we, 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 there's like a, there's definitely a fellowship there and there's a level of respect that, um, um, you know, it's a, it's a community for sure of star Wars artists that, that we kind of thrive together. Um, just have, you know, we have fun at celebration because we don't really get to see each other all the time. So when we do get to see each other, you know, it, we, we, it tends to be really awesome. And then, um, yeah, definitely the fans. The fans are what, because Star, I mean, Star Wars is the whole reason I do what I do for a living. It's why I became an artist. So me going, getting to go to a Star Wars convention, not just, as as an exhibitor but the the fanboy in me who grew up loving this stuff every single day since i was four years old just worshiping star wars and then getting to do it for a living and then getting to go to these conventions and and be around my people (laughs) you know like 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 just to be like amongst you know my people and they're you know and, and and i'm their people and it's like so there's that there's that energy there's that love there's all that positivity that Brian talked about so it's like you you can't really beat it I mean if you love Star Wars like celebration is just sort of like the mecca it's like you 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 owe it to yourself to go you have to just be there to kind of bask in all the glory that is celebration because it's just twenty four seven Star Wars for four days straight and so you get everyone there that loves it. And, and, and as much as you do, you know, obviously, you know, so it's, it's, it's just, it's like a, the biggest Star Wars party on the planet, basically. And like Joe said, we're fans too. So, you know, we're at the booth together, but it might be like, Hey, Brian, watch my table for a minute. I got to go check out the costumes or it's like, Hey, Joe, you know, I got to run off and, and see this special panel that's going on. And so we're, we're geeking out just as much as if we were, we're not there officially. We're just, we, we want to see everything that we can. And Joe especially has fans from all over the world. So we'll have people come in from Europe and from Australia and from all over and they'll bring Joe, you know, gifts and food and handmade items because they've seen him at all these shows for all these years and they formed like a real friendship. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's an advantage of doing this for a long time. People bring you food and coffee, and it's like, yes, it's like, all right, like, 
Like I can eat and drink and not have to leave my booth and keep selling artwork. So, so as fans, are there any other uh, pieces from the art show that you're particularly impressed with or wish you would have came up with that idea? I think Russell walks uh, princess Leia is one of the most beautiful things I've seen this year. I mean, there's a lot of nice ones, but yeah. that one is, is, was really struck me as being spectacular. Yeah, that one's gorgeous. Um, my buddies, Chris Travis and Brian rude, um, Chris Travis did a piece called the the Courier Intercepted, and it's a, it's another Princess Leia piece, and it it's it, it's a it's it's a, it's an expanded universe scene. I would say it's sort of like, which is something that um, that I do as often as well with my artwork and and other prints I've done for for Lucasfilm are those expanded universe moments that you don't see on camera, but they, they kind of happen in between scenes and off camera. So when you get to illustrate those scenes, fans are like, oh, yeah, like that, that totally would have happened. That makes sense. There's a scene that we did, never got to see, but there it is illustrated, which is really cool. So Chris did a scene with Princess Leia and Vader that takes place sort of kind of in between Rogue One and Episode Four. Um, well, actually, it takes place at the very beginning of episode four, but it, it kind of bridges the gap with Rogue One too, uh, uh, in certain visual cues. Um, so that's a really cool piece. Brian Root's piece is really gorgeous. The, his Rogue One uh, collage that he did. Oh, it's um, outstanding. Yeah, it's a really big piece too. It's like I think it's like thirty-two by twenty-four or something. Um, so we were just proofing our prints today, actually. Uh, Brian Root and Chris Travis and I. Well, we all live within an hour of each other, basically. So we get together whenever we can. And so we all did our prints together. So I got to see them, you know, uh, in person today. And their prints turned out gorgeous, too. Well, I think um, Matt, Matt Bush's print this year with all the collectibles from 40 years. I mean, I can't imagine all all the crazy stuff he had to draw in there. So that was pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, Drew Baker's print. He did a life-size. Oh, my gosh. He did a life-size canvas painting of Darth Vader and Princess Leia, um, and I didn't know he was going to offer the prints at life-size. But not, I mean, Drew's work is—he comes from it from like a fine art, a fine art perspective. The way he paints, it's very kind of like a classical style. Like it's a very like Renaissance. I mean, seriously, like he—he—he's he, he's very. He, 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 you can tell he studied like you know class classical painters because it comes through in his style, but he, he did this amazing painting of Vader and Leia. And it, I guess he did it life size and they selling the prints at like, like six foot something prints or something. It's crazy. Holy but, smokes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to be huge. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope he sells a lot of them. I mean, I mean, I know he's charging a lot for them, but I mean, I thought print- Lindsay's um, her rebels piece was really inspired. It's got that Japanese watercolor rice paper kind of design, and it, I thought it was absolutely stunning. And I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't sell out the first day. Yeah, there's a lot of good pieces uh, in the art show this year for sure. Yeah, I liked when I was, I was flipping through on the celebration website. Something I really I like that every single one you flip through it was like a completely different kind of style. It reminded me of the um, the cla- the book the the Star Wars Visions book mm-hmm. where you just flip through the pages and it was something different on every page. And I mean, I, I think, think a, a lot of us artists are you know will work for directly with Lucasfilm or will work directly with licensees, but this is our one chance 
you know, once a year, every other year to sort of be our own director, producer, art director, whatever you want to call it. And it's interesting to see some of the different artists that are going out of their way to make a make it something that's like life size. That's unique. You probably would never see that or on a special type of paper or on a, you know, a special type of printing technique. And so we sort of learn about these artists by not just their illustrations, but the choices they make and how to present them and how to produce them uh, to create something extra special for the fans. And, and I, maybe it's just the print geek in me, but I mean, that part really excites me too. When, you know, you get something that feels substantial and has that, you can tell they put all their heart and soul into it, you know? Just as fans, what are you looking forward to aside from the art show at Celebration this year? I want spoilers for the next film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I can't say for sure whether or not they're going to do it or not, but I'm excited to see, you know, a teaser or a trailer for, for the last Jedi. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure Lucasfilm is going to unveil something to the, to that degree. I mean, it's celebration. You've got a new star Wars movie coming out this December. So we haven't seen anything yet on the last Jedi. So I'm pretty sure we'll get, you know, a teaser or some behind the scenes stuff at celebration. So is unfortunately Brian and I are going to be stuck at our booth selling artwork, but as soon as that goes online, you can bet we're going to be watching that, you know, on our phones at the booth. Um, so I'm excited for an episode eight trailer. Um, the show itself, I mean, the costumes, I, I mean, God, come on, the star Wars cosplayers and the five Oh first and the rebel legion, uh, they always bring their A game. So getting to see those, I don't know. So many of my friends are cosplayers, so I really have um, uh, an affection and an, ad, an, an admiration for that art form. And, and even getting some really good reference photos of some of these amazing costumes, I'll be like, yeah, maybe I can put that into some of my Star Wars art later on or something. So Yeah, I'm with Joe. I was going to say the 501st and, and a lot of the cosplayers. And then I also like when they bring the like either the life size or the or the at least large uh, props. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know, something like the child in me. I just it's like, <laughs> in, you know, it's like Christmas. I'm like, I want to go be with the ad or, the, right. you know, whatever yeah. the giant prop is they have. I, I love yeah. that. The Belgian garrison like every celebration they just bring it i mean they i think they have like a i think one year i think they'll probably even do it this year they have like a life-size tie fighter it's like oh my god come on like they they build that thing and then they ship it to celebration and it's insane because you're like you're standing in front of a real life tie fighter or an ad at they i think yeah one year they had an ad at and uh then you got the guys that do the creatures um in the 501st i think they're in God, are they in the Florida garrison maybe, or uh, or is it the Southern California? I think it's the Florida garrison. Anyway, they do like a, a life-size Rancor, you know, from Return of the Jedi, and then they have— Oh, yeah, Roxy the Rancor. Yeah, Roxy the Rancor, and like just seeing that is like, oh, my God, like there's a real Rancor inside it, you know, but it, it, it's so cool that they, they build these giant Star Wars props, and then they assemble them, and you get to like see them in person. It's so crazy. I was just reading that they're bringing a um, a lugger beast to yeah. to Orlando. <laughs> yeah, so. I saw amazing. That. I saw that in person at MegaCon last summer. I think is when they premiered it, and it was in Florida. At, at yeah, in Orlando, they had the lugger beast, and I got a I got a ton of pictures of that thing. Oh, it's oh, so man. well done. They they really killed it. It looks really great. 
I hope they have someone dressed as Tito just yelling at people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> It made me think, like, because I know when, when Gabe and I were walking around in Anaheim, Celebration, the cosplay at Celebration, they take it to another level. Like, I remember we saw someone dressed as Trench, the Spider-Man from Clone Wars. And that oh, blew, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That blew, so what, what, is when you, times when you've been at your booth or walking around at Celebration, what have been some of the cosplay stuff that you've been like, I can't believe someone dressed up as that. Brian and I saw a, a pink Wookiee in, in, was it London? <laughs> yeah, pink Wookiee. And the irony is, is that we were in London and I found out that the guy who's the pink Wookiee lives like 10 minutes from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there Small was a world. Wookie. Yeah, um, that was kind of weird and fun. Uh, but yeah, he was a friend of Brian's. And, it was, or, and yeah. we also saw, um, uh, oh, it'll come to be, uh, that really cool, that really cool Sith costume. Uh, my my mind's blanking now. But we just took like a hundred pictures because her costume was so good. She was like a Twilight Sith or something like that. But you know, it's just it's the it's the creative ones like that where they take a character that that we've maybe seen two or three times done done well, and they put a little twist on it. You know, take a character and make the character a Sith, or change the colors, or give them a different costume, or maybe cross the genders. It always makes it it really exciting and fun. Yeah, there's there's. Uh... God, there's been so many. I mean, they're just thinking of uh, my friend Mary Ellen does a Sith witch costume, and um, it's a Mother Talzin. Or no, it, actually, it was was it? It might have been before Mother Talzin was actually a thing in Clone Wars. But she had a Sith with a Sith witch costume that was just insane, and it was so amazing. I remember that one blew me away. And then I think she ended up doing Mother Talzin later on. Um, but uh, we've seen some really yeah. good Vent- Ventress costumes too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ventress is always because when you have like a a female cosplayer commit to Ventress and they do like the shaved head and you know they've got like the crazy dark gothic makeup and it's just like yeah, that's always a standout. I think. Um, yeah, there's just been so many. I've I've seen like a really awesome General Grievous um, costume. You know, that's just really. Uh, done with like stilts and and in 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 ways that you wouldn't think that were that were really inventive that kind of brought the character almost like a almost like a puppet in a way like it was wasn't so much a costume as it was more of a a, a person puppeteering a life size general grievous and it was just like whoa that's that's really cool because it had the you know it was all hunched over and the legs and the arms were huge and it looked really like general grievous in person so. Um, so yeah, there's, yeah, Star Wars fans are the best cause they're, they're so inventive and imaginative. If you have the wrong blaster, Joe will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I think I knew, I, um, I knew when I loved Celebration, I think it was at Celebration 2 when I saw someone dressed as Arden Lynn from the Masters of oh, Terakai. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I, I like just stood there and looked at her for a while and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like yeah, such an such an obscure character. I've actually I actually drew Arden Lynn for a Star Wars project like back in two thousand and one or two thousand and two. Right when that game came out, I had to draw her for something. And yeah, that's talk about your character. You didn't you weren't considering an Arden Lynn poster for Celebration Orlando. No, no, that's no. not the first line in your resume. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've drawn every 
Star Wars character pretty much. I mean, I, I feel like I've drawn them all at least once. So. That's, that's a good one, though. We do get some really fun requests for sketches while we're at Celebration. You know, for every 10 Darth Vaders, there'll be someone that has some, like, off-the-wall off request that they want. And sometimes you can accommodate them, sometimes you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard, especially when... If someone comes up to me at Celebration or any Comic-Con and they're like, hey, can you do a Stormtrooper? Can you do Boba Fett? Can you do Darth Vader? That's that's not a problem. It's like, yeah, I've drawn those characters so many times. It's like, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll work on that. But then sometimes you get those obscure ones. It's like, oh, man, it's like, all right, now I'm actually going to have to commit to this and like really like spend time trying to work this out. So that's not always doable necessarily for, for us, but... Uh, you know, we're always up for a challenge when we have the time at, at these shows. So, yeah, definitely fans can come up, and if if we have the time, you know, we'll definitely do some quick sketches for people. And uh, I know Brian and I will do little remarks on our on our prints of like, you know, Kylo Ren or whoever. You know, we might do like a little portrait on the bottom of our print when when people ask us to do sketches. So, yeah, I think it's one of the highlights of the show. Is is you know, we're, we're in this 10 foot by 10 foot space for, for four or five days. And so it's really entertaining when, uh, if I'm doing a sketch or Joe's doing a sketch, I can look over his shoulder and see what he's working on. And, and it, uh, there's kind of a creative energy that bounces back and forth between us. We egg each other on to, to do things that are crazier and crazier. You're going to get a lot of requests for Borg gullet. I have a feeling you're going to be like, no, you're going to put up a sign. No more Borg gullet requests. <laughs> Our hands are sore. He's just all tentacles and blobular. I don't know what that thing is, but <laughs> I'll just be like, uh, well, here comes another Gronk. Be happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you guys have both done a bunch of stuff at the Disney parks lately. What's that like? What's going on with that? Well, I I do I do artwork for Disney's Fine Art Division, which is called Disney Wonderground Gallery. And uh, last year, Brian and I worked on a couple pieces together um, that were basically uh, just fine art prints. That uh, artwork that you can only—it's exclusive to the Disney parks, so you can only buy it if you go to say Disneyland in Anaheim or Disney World in Orlando. If you go to some of the shops, uh, the the Wonderground Gallery, uh, the Star Wars Outpost in in, in Disney World, um, which is in Disney Springs. Um, so if you go to those stores, you'll be able to buy some of the artwork that, that we produce. And this year, I, I did three Force Awakens pieces for Disney Wonderground. And uh, <clears throat> I recently just did two new Rogue One uh, fine art prints, which you'll be able to, those will be released during Celebration. They're set to debut at Disney World in Orlando, um, April 13th. So I'm going to be signing for this brand new Rogue One art. So these are these are two other Rogue One prints, which I haven't shown yet. Um, but if you follow me on my social media, you might have seen a little teaser here or there of them. Uh, but you haven't seen the full reveal yet. But uh, we'll be revealing those at Disney World uh, during Celebration, and I'll be signing for these two new prints, uh, I think, 
Thursday night, April 13th, and Friday, April 14th in Disney Springs at the Marketplace Co-op, which is uh, it's, it's one of the stores there in Disney Springs. I'll be signing for this artwork, um, I think, from, like, it's, it's right after Celebration. So, like, from, like, 7 p.m. to, like, 9 or 10 p.m., I'll be signing for this brand-new Rogue One artwork uh, in the park. And then, so everyone that's at Celebration should come over to Disney, to Disney World after Celebration and hopefully pick up this new artwork. And then it'll be there all year round. So fans will get to go to Disney World and buy this new Rogue One artwork. But uh, So, yeah, that's something else extracurricular I have going on at Celebration. So. And if fans haven't been to Disney Springs, like, you know, it used to be downtown Disney. It's all new and big and incredible. It's totally worth seeing. And like Joe said, the Wonderground Gallery there and, and the shops um, where they're going to have his artwork, uh, it's, it's its own destination. So you can go and, and relax after celebration, grab a bite to eat, and then go see Joe and get some art that you can't get anywhere else but there. Yeah, and you don't need um, a Disney World ticket for it. You can just go. Right. Yeah. That's can- right. Yeah, Disney Springs is open to the public, so you don't need to buy a separate park pass to get into Disney Springs. It's sort of like just, it's kind of like going to like a giant outdoor mall, essentially. You just, you go and park your car, you walk right in, and you're pretty much getting the Disney experience for free with, you know, except for the rides and whatnot. But, but I mean, you get to go to all the shops and you get to, you know, there's all kinds of amazing restaurants. I know, like, uh, they have that Indiana Jones bar, which I love going to because, those monkey head drinks that they serve, the tiki monkey heads. Oh my god, those drinks are so great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the Indiana Jones bar. I think it's called Jock Lindsay's Hanger. Yes, so, Jock Lindsay's Hanger Bar. That's it. Yeah, so I love that place because I'm a I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. So like I love I love hanging out there. So um, so yeah, definitely uh, come to Disney Springs and after celebration and come hang out. is back the rebels won't tire till they see the last of the empire and kenner's there with star wars return of the jedi collection i'm gonna beat you to throw off it skywalker glad to weekway luke skywalker and lando calrissian each sold separately prepare the plank weekway surprise surprise i'm lando in disguise let's get out of here luke whoa the plank is falling help glad to weekway luke skywalker and lando calrissian action figures each sold separately from kenner's star wars return of the jedi collection Okay, so let's do some rapid-fire questions here. Uh, what is your favorite Star Wars t-shirt that you own? My new Rogue One shirt that I got last uh, this past December at Disneyland. I have like a super retro 77 Star Wars shirt that I wear, I don't know, at least once a week. Favorite background Rogue One character? Favorite background Rogue One character? Uh, the Space Monkey. Yes. Uh, I forget his- Our man Bastan. I'm going to go with those... Those crazy monk-looking uh, guys with the, like, big red hats. I don't even know what they're called. The super, like, crazy religious guys walking through the procession. Oh, yeah. Do they even have a name? Yeah, I don't know. But I know those. Yeah, they look really cool. Favorite Star Wars action figure as a, as a kid and today? No, man, that's tough. Oh, my God. Oh, as a kid, it's got to be Obi-Wan for me with the, the lightsaber that was, like, built into his arm. Yeah, okay, mine are going to be, probably for really weird reasons, but R2-D2 and the Power Droid, which I didn't really call them Dronk, I didn't call them Gonk back then, it was just, you know, Power Droid, but because they click, you know, like, they're, 
R2's head made that clicking noise and, and the power droid's <laughs> legs made the little clicking noise. So I love those droid figures because they made clicking sounds when you played with them. Well, and speaking of that, in the, I guess, modern area, when the prequels came out, they had the figures that had the little the little bases with this, uh, the audio chips in them. And you yeah, the com- ComTech technology. Yeah, so I definitely dig like the, the R2-D2 and the C-3PO, those, because they had such like cool audio. Oh, and yeah, I guess a, a modern, I guess you need a modern uh, equivalent of action figure. Um, you could also do a statue. I think that counts. Anything K2SO, man. I love K2SO. So like that, call. That, that figure, like any figure, any statue, any... Even even like the cheap, um, uh, you know, Walmart toy K two SOs, the 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 plastic ones, like even those are really cool. The design of K two SO, like I, I love that droid. I love it because it harkens back to old school, old trilogy. I mean, it's a brand new droid for Rogue One, but man, did they really capture that that Star Wars? Because it, it feels he feels like a cross between like two one B, and he feels like I don't know. Yeah, that's a long answer for rapid fire, but K two SO is Joe's co pilot. <laughs> right. So <laughs> K two SO does that to people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Does. Yeah, I get worked up <laughs> I talk about it. We've I, been there. Yeah. I love BB eight. Oh my god. So I can't leave him out. So I'm a huge BB eight fan, so anything BB eight is sort of like my new go to action figure, I would say. Can you imagine Celebration? You know, we've been to so many where there's R- R2s driving around. This year, we're going to well, probably see some full-size BB-8s rolling around. It's going to be amazing. I have it on good authority that we're going to see at least six fully motorized BB-8s roaming around Celebration. Oh, so, I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about fully functioning, rolling. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be some that will be on display, but I... I I know from Droid Builder, some of my friends in the Droid Builders community, um, the R2 Builders, I've, I've heard they're gonna, there's going to be at least six BB-8s rolling around celebrations. So that's, well, that's there'll be five at the end because one of those is going home in my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to seeing all these BB-8s rolling around. So. Yeah. I, I may pass out and crush one, so that'd be four. <laughs> <laughs> um, what Star Wars movie have you watched the most? May not be your favorite, but the one probably technically you've seen the mo- the most times. Oh man! I think the original Star Wars, but I haven't seen it as much as Jesse James at Jesse James Comics, who shows it on non-ending repeat in his comic book shop, and he can tell you how many times he's, he's seen it. But I know he he only plays it on VHS. It plays on a loop all day, every day, and he <laughs> keeps count of how many times it's played and how many tapes he's gone through. So. If you hit up the Jesse James comics page, you can see the most insane person when it comes to the original film. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to say also a new hope star Wars episode four. that. That's the one that I probably have watched the most. Um, the second one would probably be empire strikes back. But the, the reason I know that I haven't watched that one as much as a new hope and as much as I empire is obviously the best star Wars film, but you know, it's, 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 to me, you know, there's that there's that long scene, the training scenes with Yoda, which I love those scenes on Dagobah. But man, sometimes, sometimes I have to fast forward through those scenes because I've seen them so many times. So it's sort of like, I, with A New Hope, I, I just know that I've 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 watched that one over and over so many times. So yeah, I worked in a video store when I was in high school, and I'm pretty sure, depending on which one of us was in charge of the the TV. 
it was either a new hope or a wizard of oz so i I just put in a new hope as many times as i could uh for each of you what's your first star wars memory you have oh that's easy i saw the movie when i was barely four years old the summer of 1977 and my first memory that i remember from seeing it in the theater was um when darth vader came through the smoke on the tantive uh, is that how you say, i don't know people say it differently i always say tantive but there's tantive four yeah well somebody it's it's i don't know i'm getting technical but anyway um so when he comes through the blockade runner through the smoke and the blasted door when he shows up on screen for the very first time my little four-year-old brain freaked out i thought he was a monster i didn't know he was a person i thought he was like a some kind of demon like i didn't even think he was a robot like i thought he was some kind of like demon thing and I, he scared me to death and that was my first like in that's how star wars impacted me my, my very first memory of it and i remember peeking through the seats um when he, he i was so frightened by his, when he first showed up that i was like i was hiding in between the seats i remember peering through the the the, the slit between the, the the movie theater seats and watching the movie um so yeah that was my my very first memory of star wars gosh it's such a such a tough question um i mean yeah it's it's definitely a new hope i mean i was on board from the opening credits so but i guess the most the strongest memory was the twin sun sunset on tatooine uh, I think that's maybe the moment where it like grabbed me and I was I was hooked for life. What is your favorite background Jedi? I'm kind of partial to Ayla Secura, though I wouldn't really call her. I mean, she is in the films a background Jedi, but um, I'm friends with Amy Allen, the actress who played Ayla Secura, and then in the comics and in the well, primarily the comic books, and to a degree, the Clone Wars. Ayla has a much bigger presence definitely in the star wars republic comics but uh as far as the films yeah she kind of just has cameos and so i guess ayla would be my choice yeah that's tough i mean i guess i'll just say mace windu except for he kind of dies like a punk so i don't know (laughs) (laughs) favorite line or word of a star wars alien language god something jabba said that's exactly what i was thinking Uh, or or uh when he says, when he talks about bringing uh, Han and Chewie, he's like, something, uh, Chon Wookie. I love how he says that. Um, so, uh, yeah, anything Java. I mean, I love, I love Java's, uh, or, or, oh, or, or Greedo when he goes, yeah, Oska. I love when he says that. Yeah. <laughs> his lip goes crazy. Woo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, his little, his little rubber lip flips and he goes, yeah, Oska. Yeah. He gets blown away. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think those are two of my favorites. I'd definitely go with, with Jabba. I mean, there's so many, I don't know. I mean, considering it was just like a puppet, the the vocalizations are so expressive that it, it just makes the character. If you could host a, st- a panel at Celebration, what would it be about? Probably Star Wars toys. I don't know. I love, I I, I, don't, I know it's like, I I still collect stuff when I can. I'm not like a huge collector, but... Man, I, I love the old school Star Wars Kenner toys. I mean, it's what sort of informed my childhood uh, growing up with those. Because, I mean, when we were kids, we couldn't rewatch these movies over and over. When I mean, when they came out, it was like, 
you saw him a couple times in the theater, and then you had to wait a couple years to see the next Star Wars movie. So in between, you could only relive the movies with either the, the Kenner toys or the Marvel comics, which I, I collected both, and I had tons of both as a kid. So I think if I were to talk about anything, it, it would probably be my love for Star Wars toys and you know the old Marvel comics probably. Mine would be two panels. <laughs> the first would be the model makers for all the all the models for the original trilogy. I mean, think about like the Adats and the Walkers and all. I mean, just it's crazy. And then the second would be the matte painters. The matte paintings are so phenomenal in the films, especially compared to almost any other film matte paintings that have been done before or since. Right. So just to so to. To a get a peek behind their craft and then get to hear their stories about you know what they did and what maybe what they had to destroy and redo and start over on. I mean, it was just I'm I'm sure it'd be completely fascinating. So last one, you meet someone who's never seen a Star Wars movie, and they say to you, "Show me one scene to prove to me that I should watch these movies." What scene would you show them? Uh, probably Is this be- bef- be- before or after I force choke them. <laughs> <laughs> before, yeah. I would say, it, you know, I'm going to go with something from Empire, and it's either going to be probably this the carbon freezing chamber scene with uh, Han Solo and um, saying goodbye to, to Leia and Chewie because you've got Vader and you've got Fett in that scene. The color, the, the lighting, the art direction of the carbon freezing chamber scene, I mean... The music in that scene, the uh, the the color, the lighting, the acting, the the emotion, man, that's probably the highlight. That's I think Empire. That's like a peak moment in the entire Star Wars saga. Might be that scene. So probably that scene. Well, since Joe stole my answer again, um, <laughs> I will go with the trench run in the original. The original Star Wars A New Hope, because I think we get to see the dogfights and the dynamic between the pilots and a little bit of uh, Luke hesitating about the Force and everything. So hopefully that would convert them and make them interested to see more. So if people want to pre-order your prints for celebration, what do they got to do? Uh, well, first thing we'll do is uh, hit up our website, and we've got one handy URL where they can where they can get everything, which is really nice. They can get both of our prints from, from one place, so they can at least link to both of our prints from one place. And uh, that's going to be masterdigitalcolor.com, and they can go there, and the first thing they're going to see is a big picture with both of our prints there, and they can click that. It'll give them more information and the order links for, for both pieces. Uh, they are limited to 250 pieces. They can pre-order online and then pick up at Star Wars Celebration at booth 2810. It's 2810. Uh, Joe and I will be there. We're happy to they're, – they're already signed a number, but we can personalize them to you. And we do have sketch remarks available at additional cost and other kinds of art and fun stuff. And, you, you know, usually we'll just hang out and talk Star Wars as long as anybody wants to. And uh, I think that's part of – uh, hopefully our charm and our longevity is that we, we are fans at heart and, you know, hopefully it shows in our art and when people get to hang out and talk with us. 
Right, and also they can, uh, besides our masterdigital.com uh, main site, where they can go to order these prints, they can if they follow us on our social media, on if they f- uh, follow Brian Miller on Facebook or, or Twitter or uh, uh, Instagram, or if they follow me on any of those social media, you can. We're always uh, posting links to the pre-orders and our Star Wars art. Or if you go to JoeCaroni.com. You go to, which is my official site, fans can go there. They can click the link right there, which will take them to the pre-order page where they can they can order uh, and reserve uh, both of our Star Wars Celebration prints. If fans aren't going to Star Wars Celebration, we also, on that same uh, pre-order page, um, they can sign up for a wait list. And once we get back from Celebration, if we have any prints available, uh, if, if, if anyone signed up for the wait list, then we end up contacting them and letting them know so they can actually still purchase the print even though uh even though if they've missed out on going to the event that's awesome and i'll have the the links to all that stuff in the um in the episode's notes too well this has been great guys yeah thank you so much for talking (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, thanks Thanks for having us. I mean, it's so fun to get to come on and talk about our artwork. I mean, we're usually, we both work from our homes and we're, in, you know, at our drawing tables all day. So to uh, talk to other humans is a rare treat. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially other Star Wars fans. So actually getting to, to uh, do that from home is a rare commodity. So unless we're doing it online on, on Facebook, which we, Brian and I are pretty active on social media, but Hearing real live human voices, yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> we we may be droids, we're not sure. Um, yeah. Uh-oh. So I, human is questionable. Yeah. <laughs> so we encourage everyone to go see Joe and Brian at Celebration, and check out their stuff, pre-order some prints, and um, and Gabe and I hope to see you guys there too. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Come on by. We twenty eight ten. We'll we'll be there. We'll be there. So thank you guys. This has been awesome. Thanks for having us. It's our pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, guys. And uh, may the force be with both of you. Always. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome.